yeah, overflow conference, guys, pray for that. That's, that's really exciting. We've got uh, um, a number of speakers, and like Corin said, you can go to the overflow.info, overflowconference.info to get more information. But um, um, basically, how many of you were there last year? How many of you came? A number of you were there. It was really, really good. And, and that was our first one we did last year. So this year, I actually saw Pastor Greg Moore on Monday. And um, Corinne and I went down to Naples. We went to a, a minister's conference. And we got to speak to Andrew there and, and, um, and Pastor Greg Moore. And, and yeah, sorry, Andrew Womack was there and so on. So it was, it's really good to hook up with people of like faith and, and, and have this opportunity. But we've got a number of our friends and ministry friends coming in. And we, you know, the Lord put this on our hearts to really make strides into our lives and into our community's lives by becoming more familiar with the person and work of the Holy Spirit to, to understand how he can use you. And, and just what, even with Miss Kathy's word this morning, you know, that he, we know that we can have information about the Holy Spirit. We can have a doctrine that says, yes, I believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But what does it mean to you? How, do you, how does that affect your life today? How does that affect your, your workplace? How does that affect your driving? How does it affect your, your relationship with your spouse, your children, whatever it is? And so we've got Nate Tanner, Tanner coming in. He's the, the young evangelist. He travels the world, and he's going he's gonna to be in here. We've got Clint and Sarah Byers from Atlanta. They're phenomenal. They're coming in again. We've got Hans Erlinson coming in. Um, Hans and Sarah, his wife's also called Sarah, named Sarah, I should say. So Hans is coming in. So all of these are going to be very practical ministry opportunities. And we're going to, and then we've got Pastor Lamont and Sharon Rich, who operate and travel with, with, uh, with Andrew Womack internationally. And they're awesome ministers as well. So they're all, not only going to be leading worship, but they're also going to be ministering as well. So it's going to, it's going to really be and of course, yeah, Dennis and Denise, I mean, because uh, Pastor Greg won't be with us this year, but Dennis and Denise Capra, um, they are going to be with us, and they also operate in the, the person work of the Holy Spirit in a very practical, awesome way. So um, I want to encourage you, if you have opportunity to take a couple days off, not everybody can, um, take some time off, but we will be kicking it off on a Monday night. The Lord put on my heart, we're going to kick it off with a worship night, so Monday night is just going to be worship. There won't be, there'll be a short introduction, but it will be a worship night, and then, and then we'll do um, Tuesday and Wednesday will be full days, well, I say full days, morning and evening and thing. but in any case, Corin, like she said, it's all that information is over there. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm excited. You guys ready for the word? Father, we're so grateful for your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you that you indwell us, that you never leave us or forsake us. And right now, Father, we open our hearts to hear from you. What are you saying to me? What are you saying to me, Lord? I, I incline my ear to hear what you're saying to me. We just, we just want to surrender to that, Father, and we do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, uh, last couple of weeks, I did a, a series, so... You remember what it? You remember what the title was for two last two weeks? What's love got to do with it? What's love got to do? Okay, so that's not today. Okay, I'm not going to do that. But 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 it is an important foundation for what the Lord has laid on my heart that we should be going into. And I actually had something, uh, another step in in the direction I feel the Lord is leading us um, to go for this year. And I think there's a there's a strategy that that God has put in my heart. And so because there's a strategy here, I want, I'm, I want to encourage you to stay connected. If you miss, and, and people's lives are all over the place. We've got people, our famous cellist player, 
you know that where he's heading to today. He's at 500. I mean, so, and now there's a lot of people, and there's a lot of, I, would, I want to go to the 500 sometime. I've never been to the 500. None, you, you guys are like, what's the 500? No, anyhow. No, no. It sounds like, it sounds like fun. But if you do miss a, a Sunday for whatever reason, I want to encourage you to stay connected because I really do believe that, that God is taking us on a, a journey here. He's wanting to build something into us that's very important. And, and, and what we, I had a, I've got a, a two-part, at least a two-part message that I was planning on doing. And the Lord put it in my heart. He said, nope, we, we've got to camp out a little bit more in this, in this one area. So my title for today is, So What Are You Thinking? Question, so what are you thinking? Men, how many times has your wife asked you that question? So, uh, what are you thinking? What, what, what are you thinking? Sometimes it's not an answer that some of us guys can actually answer. It's like, um, uh, what was I thinking? <laughs> girls, girls seem to, women, ladies seem to know what they're thinking a lot more than guys do sometimes. But, but you know, many, of, uh, many believers have this, 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 this situation in their life where they aren't experiencing what they feel they should be experiencing. So... And, and so um, I, 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 wanted to, I wanted to encourage you, when the Lord speaks to us in discipline, okay, and I'm, this is not going to be a big discipline message, but I want to encourage you, as I, as I did, when we were talking about the foundation of love, it is so important in that, in that last thing, what's love got to do with it? Everything. We've got, we, we have to be rooted and grounded in the knowledge, in the firm uh, the firm foundation of God's love, because when you know that 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 your that your Father loves you, then you can handle anything. And 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 let me tell you, God never disciplines with pain and suffering. I know that's a very common thing that you've heard in maybe in religious circles. You've heard your whole life. God is going to punish you. He's going to hurt you. He's going to discipline you. And that comes from a very bad bad interpretation of of what discipline is discipline actually is the word child rearing it's got it's got to take a, ch a young child by the hand and show him the way it's got nothing to do with punishment but yet there's this firm uh, fixture in so many believers minds that oh god has disciplined me in other words if something goes wrong in your life or the washing machine breaks down, or somebody gets hurt, or you get hurt, or whatever. It's like, oh, well, it's the chastening of the Lord, brother. Let me tell you, it's not. God doesn't chasten that way. He always, when he is going, you're going, let me, let, when you are the one, you and me, okay, let me put it on me. So you guys aren't the baddies, right? It's all me, okay? This is a message I'm preaching to me. No, when, when, when you when you are in a place, when you are trapped, God's always got a better way for you to be. He has a thing called abundant life, and he wants to invite you up into this abundant life where you can experience peace, not like the world gives. You can experience joy, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You can enjoy this abundance that Jesus came to give us. So he's always inviting us up a step into more of that abundant life. Does that sound good? That's what discipline is. It's come on up here. It's not come on down here. It's come on up here because it's better here. And so that when he, when he disciplines us, it's going to be a word that says, you can have it better. You can enjoy it better. 
It's never because there is anything that God is dishing out from heaven to, uh, to chide you with pain and suffering. If there is pain and suffering that is self-induced, listen, we, can, this is, we live in a life where we have self-induced suffering because we aren't following the way. And, they, and we, have, we are also subject to the suffering of the stupidity of others or the evil intentions of others. You know that, right? A drunk driver on the road comes and, and drives into your car and, and hurts you or hurts a family member or whatever the case. That's got nothing to do with God. That's got to do because the drunk driver was selfish. That's because he decided to disobey the law. That's, or she did, whatever it is. And listen, we're, we're all there. We, we all, some of the things that we do in life will affect us only and affect us evilly. Uh, some of the things we do in our life will have a wider circle of influence and hurt other people. And so this is this thing called free will. And, and again, I'm not going to camp out on, on, on that whole thing, but it's really, really, really important to know that there's a thing called free will. And you see that right from the beginning. Adam and Eve, they had free will when they chose to do what they did. Guess what happened with Cain and Abel? It wasn't God's will for Cain to bash Abel's head in. Sorry to put it quite that bluntly. But you understand, Abel was innocent. He was, he was a victim in a situation where Cain thought that he could do it his way or chose to do it his way. And, and you know what? The Holy Spirit has got a, has got a better way for us and he, he's given us tools that, we can, that we, can, we can experience as born-again believers and he's going to invite us up into this promised world, this promised life, a, a better life. And if I had to ask him again, who of you wants to live a better life? I'm sure every one of you would say, sure, I'll take more. I'll have it more. Because no matter what it is, uh, God has got something better for you. Poverty is part of the curse. You know that. You're not supposed to be poor. You aren't supposed to be financially poor. You're not supposed to be experiencing lack, etc., etc. You're not supposed to be sick. God's called it for us for better. And by the way, we have Healing University and we're getting great results. If you want to, you want to learn more about healing and the, the awesomeness of the subject, come on Sunday afternoons at 5 p.m. and, and, and plug in and, and absorb the truth of God's word because Psalm 107 verse 20 says God sent his word and healed them. You know, there is a way that we can operate and receive God's word into ourselves. There's an oper- there is a way that we've going to, that we've got to, that, we, that this is done. There is a way that God's going to lead us and he's going to invite us into it, okay? So, so again, discipline is a positive invitation into a better world. Amen. Amen. That's important to understand because, again, we have to be founded in love. So God, God this, 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 when you're not experiencing, or say a lot of Christians have this experience, um, born again at a certain stage in your life. Maybe it was recent, maybe it was many years ago. You normally see uh, a, a t- typically a, a massive change, a great change. So some people, depending on what sort of lifestyle they came out of, will have a dramatic change for a while until whatever, something happens and they sort of reach a plateau and they sort of go through um, a normalcy where they, they, they kind of live like, well, uh, they, it just becomes normal. They just make church a, a Sunday experience. They don't really seem to experience the, uh, the, the, the promises and they sort of just give up hope. 
They just give up. And, I, and listen, I'm, I'm, I know this is a profound thing I'm saying because a lot of people don't want to admit that. But it's very important that we do face that and we say, listen, what am I experiencing on a physical, personal, relational level with Jesus? Because, because God has called us into this powerful life where we're called to not only experience it one hand, first hand with Jesus, but we're called to be his hands and feet. Okay, so, um, so listen to this, knowledge and information. When you read the word of God, you pick up your Bible in your quiet time, you come to church and you hear scriptures, you hear an encouragement, you hear a word, you get information by reading the word of God or a, a, good, a good teaching book or, or whatever your source is that you're getting. So information that doesn't produce manifestation can frustrate and, encourage, and discourage. If it's just information, but it's not producing a manifestation, you just, oh well, just more information. And you've heard me say a hundred times at least, this isn't about collecting information. We're living in a society that wants to just collect information and, and we feel that if we store up enough information, things will change in my life. That is a deception. And I'll tell you why. Is it wrong to get information? No. Knowledge is essential. The God, we, knowledge is essential. If you do not know, and Andrew Womack is on a mission right now to encourage every believer if, within the sound of his voice on TV to say, read your Bibles. Read your Bibles, read through the Bible, get, read your Bible. Because it is important to know God's word. That we all take for granted. But let me ask you a very, let me ask you a question. I'm not asking it for, to you to respond. How many of you are excited about reading your Bible? You know, I'm, I'm really not, you don't have to, start, so I see some hands. It's like, it's like but, 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 but a lot of people, I, I mentioned this last week, I said, you know, when, when you say certain words in church, like read your Bible, you know, a couple of people's heads will drop, you know, like, yeah, I've got to do this thing. No, we have an emotional response to certain encouragements. We, we, when I say prayer and meditation and, and, or certain things, we're like, well, yeah, I've got to, I've got to add that to my to-do list today. And you just don't understand how busy I am. And, 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 but, but when we understand that knowledge, one, is an essential thing. If you do the only way, the only way, that we can know God is through his word. If anybody says to you, well, I know God apart from his word, be careful. Because there is no revelation of God outside of his word. If somebody says, oh, well, I, I, I know God and, and I, I just don't know the Bible. You know that Jesus is the word? It, it, so, so reading the word, the reading the word of God and making, a, making a, a, a habit, making a central lifestyle is the lifestyle of a believer. Listen, you, you know the scripture well, but John 8 verse 31 says that Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I've, I've used the scripture so many times, but listen to it again. It's, it's critical. He says, to those who believe, if you abide, 
which means the word abide is, a, is not a word we use every day, but it means to settle down and to make yourself at home. He says, this is a disciple. A disciple is somebody that abides in the word of God. That doesn't mean, okay, I've got a chapter today. That's, this is my anti-rushing through the Bible statement. So I know I'm, now I'm going to thoroughly confuse you. Do you want me to read the Bible or don't you, Shannon? I do want you to read the Bible. Do I want you to rush through the Bible? No, I don't. Because to abide in God's word means that you desire, you embrace, you embrace a desire that, look, Lord, I'm going to actually settle, settle down and embrace your word. I want to hear who you are. I want to see who you are. I want to learn about who you are. You, you, you change an attitude in your heart of why you read the Bible. Not because you have to do anything to earn anything from God, right? That's just dead works. Remember, we've spoken about that many times. It, it, but disciples are, are people that, that abide in the word. They, they are people that make themselves at home in the word of God. And they make, the, the Bible is an important part. It's not one of that, oh, it's that dusty book. Where is that book? You know, I know that nowadays we don't even come to church with a Bible anymore. Because we've got digital Bibles and, and some, some, people, some people still love paper Bibles and, and still like making notes. And, 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 and that's great. I think it's, it's awesome. And I want to encourage you, get an attachment to your Bible. Whatever it is, if you, have a, if you can only attach to a paper book, book or, and I say, don't, uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, if, you, if it's a paper Bible that you connect with, connect with it. If it's a digital Bible or that you're reading digitally, connect with it. Because Jesus' words are profound. He said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples. In other words, disciples, you hang out in the word of God. And then he goes on to say, and then the consequence of, of abiding and settling down and, and all the, the imagery that you see, the vine and the branches, when you are abiding in the word of God, then you will know the truth then you will know the truth it's only through the word of god that you will know the truth i'm going to say that again only through the word of god that you can know the truth and then the truth can set you free and then i mean i know we can be all super technical and say well i'm not in prison i'm not have any you know that's it's not talking about it's talking about bondages to lack It's talking about bondages to sickness. But you see, we've got so um, comfortable. We've lost so much hope. We don't even think God really wants to heal me. I love that. But it's like, does God really want to heal me? I don't know. I'll just, just, whatever. I'll just go to church on Sunday. And we're okay with it. I'll go to the doctor, I'll go and see the whatever doctor, cardiologist, neurosurgeon, blah, 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 whatever. And there's nothing wrong with doctors. Listen to what I'm saying. It's, what, it's, it's, it's like we've put God on a shelf and we've almost separated him from having an integral part in our life where we're, not, where we're okay, we're comfortable with, with him with, with him not being a part of our lives. We, we're comfortable with not laying hold of the promises because we don't know him. We don't know him through his word. 
we don't, we're not experiencing him. So we've got this, this dilemma that, that is, is important for us to transition through. We've got to move from the realm of information into the realm of experience. Information to experience is something that should be a normal thing for us as believers. And it is, it is not something, I mentioned this last week in, in that second part of, um, you know, in prayer and manifestation, it, it, if, you're, if you're comfortable with, with, just, with just leaving it in the information realm, it's not going to do anything for your life. And unfortunately, we, let, we get onto this hamster wheel and we just think we'll go to conference after conference, book after book, series after series, YouTube video. doesn't matter what author you think of. Oh, this author, that author, the next author, and they're really good material. But we'll just keep throwing information at us. Information and more information doesn't help you. Hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Hear what the Spirit of God is saying. If you want to experience life as a disciple, you have to be able to receive the seed of God's Word. and You need to know how to plant it in your heart. You need to know how to water it in your heart so that it will produce 60, 30, 60, and 100 fold. And guess what? I'm going to tell you something nobody likes to hear. It takes time. It takes time. It takes time. Again, the microwave society that we live in, we don't want to hear it. We, we want to assign super spirituality and we want to say, you know what? If you, just, if you just do it this way and you tweak the magic buttons and you get the Pastor T to come lay hands on you or Keith to come and do something or whoever, then suddenly it's just going to work for you and the magic will happen. But that's not how the seed of God's word works. The seed of God's word, and Jesus said this, he said it grows in our hearts. And, and, I, and, I, and I'm not going to repeat that series that I did on Nourish and Flourish, but it, it is critical in understanding. Jesus says if you don't understand this principle, you won't get anything. So understanding that, listen, this is the encouraging side of that coin. There's always, truth has always got two sides of the coin, and they're both good. But there's an understanding, a paradox that you need to understand. It takes time. That is not a disappointing thing. That's a hope thing. Time is the reason we need faith. When you understand the correlation and the need for, for faith, faith is what sees you through to its end. When the, when the thing manifests what you're trusting God for, with a promise that you're believing God for, etc., etc., when that manifests at time, you don't need faith anymore. Faith is what you develop right here in the now before you see what the promise is with your eyes. In, so you see, when you understand, oh, hold on a second, I'm a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. Has God given me the promises of God? Yes, he's given you the promises of God. Healing, financial prosperity, etc., etc. All of the promises of God, according to 1 Corinthians 1.20, are yes and amen in Christ. None of the curses, I'm not, I'm not liable for any of the curses, etc., etc. So I can claim those right now in the year, but there is time and there's a process. 
and understanding the principle makes it exciting because then you know it's coming. You see, faith is only faith when you have a confident assurance and you have no doubt in your heart that it's going to manifest itself. Then it's faith. Until before then, it's only hope. And I'm, so, so, help, so, so I'm zooming out. I'm giving you a little bit of an overview here. And I really believe it's going to help you. You see, hope is a confident expectation of good things. You look at your life. This is my day-to-day life. Listen, guys, I want to be practical. Is that okay? Because so many times you say, oh, you know, just give me something practical. This is about as practical as you can get. Because God isn't about doing religious gymnastics. Oh, my gosh, I was horrified this week. I sent Corin an article. Did you, I don't know if you picked up on it. Religion, man, I tell you what, it is from the, it's from the evil one. I don't know if you read about the guy that um, has been baptizing people in a certain denomination, has been baptizing people for the last X amount of decades, and they just, they, this, the, the church decided that all his baptisms were null and void. Because he had changed one word, he was supposed to read these in order of this and this and this word, and he changed one of the words from I to we, And because he changed that word without the church's permission, the church said every baptism he's done for whatever many years are null and void. So if you got baptized by that guy at that church uh, 15 years ago, sorry, it doesn't count. So you're in trouble when you go to the pearly gates because you don't have your certificate of baptism that's void. I'm like, what? That is in the news, people, this week. I, I've got the link. I could show it to you. A baptism being declared null and void because somebody didn't have the word order or one word. Are you, are you kidding me? But you see, we, we get into this, this realm. So, so it, 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 we, we, we want to jump through religious. We've got this. We're so steeped in died in the wool in religious organization that we think that if I don't do this and do this and do this and do this and do this, then it doesn't count. You do know that the thief on the cross wasn't baptized, right? The one. You know, Jesus, like Ed always used to say, wasn't like, I baptized. You know that? He wasn't trying, he wasn't trying to baptize him or whatever the case is. He said, today you will be with me in paradise. You know, Baptism is an essential piece to isn't an essential piece to being saved. Jesus did require it, but not for salvation. Baptism, and we're going to have a baptism coming up, by the way, pretty soon. So if you want to get on the list, just text baptism to our text in church number, because we're going to do one early, well, mid Marchish. So, but but baptism is important because Jesus once said it: we should be baptized. It's a public declaration where you say. I'm, going to, I'm dying to self, I'm being raised in newness of life, and I'm choosing to be a disciple and follower of to Jesus. And it's making that declaration public. It's saying, I'm not ashamed of who I am, or I'm not ashamed of it, I'm making that public. If you were sprinkled as a baby, that doesn't, isn't baptism. It is literally an immersion into water and coming out. And it says, it's, it's, this, it's symbolism, dying to self, and being raised in units of life. That's what it is. Okay? But if it doesn't, it's not required 
for baptism. Jesus asked you to do it. That's about as clear as I can be. He asked you to do it, but let me tell you, without unequivocally, it's not necessary to be saved. Something we should do. Just like communion with something we should do. We should do communion regularly or every now and again, whatever. But something that we do practice, is it like a, a, a kind of ritual that you need? No, it's not a ritual that you need. Amen? So we, we, we want to be as practical as possible. And I'm talking about experiencing God on a day-to-day level. Because Watchman Nee called it this, uh, the, 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 you know, the normal Christian life. And the normal Christian life has got nothing to do with being the normal American life. They aren't one and the same thing, just so you know. A normal Christian life means that you should be experiencing righteousness, peace, and joy. A normal Christian life means that you should never have fear. Never have fear. A normal Christian life means that you should be laying and or have the ability to lay hands on the sick and see them well. And, and I've got to, I mean, okay, not everybody is going to get well every time you lay hands on them. And there's a whole lot of reasons why. I come to Healing University to understand some, okay? But, but I'm just saying that there is, a, there is a natural experience of what God has given us that we're going to um, experience as a disciple. Now, now people, I'm, I'm talking frankly here. You know me. I hope, I hope I, this family that we have here, this is for disciples. Do you know that the church, the, the, the church of Jesus Christ is actually, when we get together, it is actually a disciples meeting. The church is designed to be a disciples meeting. Does that make unsafe people not welcome? No. Come on in. Bring unsafe people if you want to bring unsafe people. But this is where the body happens. This is where encouragement happens. This is where we develop relationships. This is where we get to know one another. And, and so it, it is a, a place of discipleship. We, we're told in Ephesians 4 that this is where the, 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 the pastor and the teacher and the evangelist the prophet, and, and all of these apostles and things like that, this is where they equip us to do the work of the ministry. This is, this is so that we are equipped to be the church out there. Okay. That, but this is where we as the family, so this is, this is family conversation, okay? We need to do that one day, make a big old table where we can just hang out here. This is a family conversation. You with me? Okay, so it's okay. Do you love everybody in your family? Yeah, I guess I better say so. You know. Do some of your family get on your nerves? Of course. Do some of your family need a little bit of help and attention? Yes. Do some of your family step on your toes? Yes. That's normal. So we're, we're, this, is, this is family talk. This is family equipping. This is to equip and say, guys, this is where we get together, as real as it gets. And if you're not comfortable with, with, with if you're not in a place where you feel comfortable to talk about stuff, then I want to encourage you, come on in. Get to know folk. Plug in, get involved, become a, go to involve, get in life groups, get to know one another, where you can find a safe place to, to, to express yourself, to, to, to feel that you can, oh, you know what, I can talk to this person. Uh, and, and you know, it doesn't happen instantly. Maybe you don't feel comfortable in every group to, that you go to to, be, to, to ask questions or to, but, but it, hear what we're saying. This is, the, this is the place that the family can be the family. This is the place where we can talk about these things and say, listen, 
I'm struggling in this area. Why am I not experiencing this? I'd like to experience this. What are my next steps? I want to. That, this is where it happens. Amen. Okay. So how we transform information into experience. How do we, you know, it, it, we, we've, uh, we, we speak about, or is Colossians 3 and, and, and Ephesians speaks about this, putting off the old man, renewing our mind, and putting on the new. That is not, oh, brother, I was born again in 1963. No, well, that's nice, wonderful, but have you learned how to put off the old man, renew your mind, and put on the new? What does that mean? Because that is what we should be doing. If you don't know how to put off, renew your mind, and put on, then you can be in exactly the same place your whole life and just not experience anything that Jesus wants you to do. You won't experience the kingdom of God. You won't experience all the, that kingdom philosophy of life that I've, that I've been laying at. You won't because you're not walking as Jesus said, we've got to walk. You're not following in this pattern that Jesus said to, to follow. Okay, so... So again, I, I, I'm giving an overview here because I gave you, said, we've got to be rooted and grounded in love. And, and these pieces of how do I transform information into experience is so important, so very important. So through this year, and probably who knows for how long until the Lord says anything different, during overflow services, we're, because it is such an ongoing conversation for the first half an hour of our overflow service, which is on Wednesdays at, at, at uh, 6.30, we're going to talk about prayer and meditation because there is a lot to talk about practically how, to, how, to, how, how do you pray? How do you meditate? Why do you meditate? Because again, it's a lost art. It is a lost art. We, we, we are so used to doing this. Exactly what you're doing right now. This. I'm listening. You, you, you understand? We're so used to it because that's what we've done in church. It's give me information. In fact, how many of you are uncomfortable if I sat here? Just. Eventually, eventually, I, if I did it for long enough, you'd start walking out. Why? Well, because I'm not getting any more information. He's not throwing stuff at me or somebody's not speaking. But what is the New Testament church? If you go and read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, it talks about what should happen when the church gets together. It says when the church comes to come, every one of you has something to give. Somebody has a word. Somebody has a song. Somebody has a spiritual song. Everything. Everybody has something. And that's why we have Wednesday nights. Because you know what? This is an American church service. We have to have a service on a Sunday. That's what people expect. Sunday, the doors must open. Sunday, the doors, and then you must say, call this. The, must call this building the church. Must call. We must register an organization with the American government, and then register as a 501c3, and then we'll call it church. Really? 
Really? Is it, what happens if it's not registered? What happens if there wasn't a building? What happens if we were just meeting down in Ferron Park? Would it be, still be a church? Would you come if there wasn't air conditioning and comfortable seating and it was down in Ferron Park on a sweaty, some Florida day? I wouldn't want to be there. I, I, I get it. <laughs> yeah, be, we would be wearing shorts. But, but, what, but I know this is uncomfortable because it's like, well, who defines church? Well, that's the question you should be asking. Who does define what church is? What is church about? Because if only, if we don't, if we don't decide to hear from God and do what Jesus says, we're just going to be playing religious games. And you know what? I get it. It's comfortable. I'll just go to a church where we just do play religious games. And I'm okay with dying one day and then, you know, going to Jesus and saying, that's it, you know, it was fun. I enjoyed life. Thanks for playing or whatever. I don't know. But, but we're not called to do that. We're called to so, so much more. But if we don't know even how to, to listen and to hear God, you know, Jesus, we see this, this process in, um, um, in uh, well, let me just read John 14, verse 26. But Jesus is talking here, um, soon before his crucifixion, he says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit, he is our teacher. Now, how do you think he teaches I mean, honestly, if I had to say, how do you, okay, so how's the Holy Spirit the teacher? Well, Shannon, I think that he's the teacher because it's your job and, um, to, to listen to him and you tell me the words on Sunday. Or do, is it more personal than that to you? Does the Holy Spirit, do you actually give the Holy Spirit place in you to teach you? When? When, when, when does he teach you? I mean, when do you allow, let me, I'm, I'm not asking you to answer this, I'm asking you to think about this for you. Forget about everybody else. I'll ask yourself the question, when do I let the Holy Spirit teach me? Because if I'm going to allow him space to teach me, it says there in that, in that scripture is that he will teach me all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. Jesus has spoken in his word. If we don't read his word, if we don't hear his word for ourselves, guess what he's got to bring to remembrance to you? Nothing. But he can, he can appear to me in a flash of glory. Rarely. Even the disciples, when they were walking, Jesus didn't appear left, right. Have you seen how many times Jesus literally manifested himself in the, in the, in the book of Acts? Walking with Jesus, we, we get to know him through his word. The Holy Spirit becomes our teacher, and we have to carve out this time where we allow him to teach us. If you want him, if you consider yourself a disciple. And, and, and I, I know I'm, I'm talking very frankly as a family over here, but a lot of people are like, you know, well, if that's what it means, you just don't understand. I just don't have the time. I don't have the time to be a disciple. Well, that's good for you to know. If, if you don't think that you, and I'm not talking, I'm not talking that 
um, help. I, I, I'm, it, forgive me. I don't, I'm, I'm not talking like this is something that you don't have time to do a regular day job. I'm talking about making a priority of Jesus in your life. Making a priority of the Holy Spirit in your life. Making a priority of, of, of reading his word, of living and abiding and settling down in his word. Where you get to, un, to learn what it's like for him to, to hear from him and what he says to you and to put that into practice. Amen. Okay. So here in, um, I want you to see in this, in Acts 4.13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived they were uneducated common men i like that they were they were they were um they perceived that they'd been with jesus oh, sorry where am i i'm different okay when they saw the boulders of peter and john they perceived that they were uneducated common men they were astonished and they recognized oh i just lost you okay so it says that they were uneducated common men but they, these quote-unquote uneducated common men, they had something. They had something that the, whole, that the religious, the, the Pharisees looked at and said, but these guys are uneducated. How come they got something? Now listen, listen carefully to me. Don't make the religious leap and think, well, Shannon's been to Bible school. This is, this is, they had been with Jesus. And these religious people could tell the difference. In fact, it says this in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 26. Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. There is no human, that, so that no human might boast in the presence of God. You see, when you've been with Jesus, people will sit up and take note. That is the calling of the church. That is our calling as disciples. The challenge is, will you? Will, will you accept the, 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 the beauty of a relationship with God that has got that sort of intimacy with, one and with the Lord that when people, when you, when you set those priorities in place, again, I'm not saying that means you spend the whole day reading the Bible and praying. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that when that is a priority in you, you know how to abide in the word of God, then this is going to happen. When you let the Holy Spirit be your teacher, what's going to happen is that people are going to say, this guy's been with Jesus. This lady's been with Jesus. I see a difference. But you know what happens because if we're waiting only for this external stimulation and we don't do anything with it, I believe that we in the body of Christ have entered into a sort of devious deception because we feel like having information thrown at me is all that I need to do. I need My only job as a disciple or as a Christian is to show up on a Sunday. My only job is to just show up on the Sunday so the pastor can see me and then because I'm guilted into giving some money, I'm going to just give some money. And it's like, no, 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 no. And 
this is this is profoundly important because I believe that this what we're entering right now is is a time where I don't know. I've heard some teachers say that we, in Revelation, it talks about the beginning of sorrows. I'm sorry, not in Revelation, the New Testament, it talks about the beginning of sorrows. It's the beginning of the end times. And it talks about there's going to be a great falling away. Do you know that? Now, I believe that only people that are really want to be true disciples will hang out. Because people that don't want to be true disciples of Jesus will like, forget that. Careful. <laughs> but there, there is only, there is only um, we're, simply put, the self, we're, you know, we've offered the salvation message. We've taken it to the world. It's on the airwaves. It's in, it's in so many places. Each of you can point up and say, you know, that's what I want to, that's what I want to cling to. I'm going to receive the salvation, God's gift of salvation, and I'm going to make it mine. Okay, is that it? Or will you be the disciple that Jesus said? Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. The call of God is for not only to become a disciple, but to make disciples. That is our purpose. This is how we're going to, I can tell you what, if, if this is the only way that it works. Religion is not going to change America or any other country in this, in this world. Only a living, vibrant, real relationship with the living Jesus Christ is going to change you and is going to change the world. Only. It's the only thing. Because when you get fired up because Jesus is your living, hot fire in your veins, hot fire in your bones, passion, people are going to sit up and take note and say, "Woo! this person's on fire for Jesus. What's up with that? They're going to say, what is the reason for the hope within you? Do you know that that's the plan we see in the New Testament. They're going to ask you, what's the, why are you, everybody's fearing, everybody's doing this. What's up with you? You're not acting like them. Amen. That is not somebody that's just a dormant Christian. Or, a, sorry? Or mean, yeah. It's a living, exciting relationship with Jesus. Amen? <laughs> you know, so... The, 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 in the parable of the, so, in the sower, there's this scripture that says this. You, you, I mean, I'm not going to go through the whole Mark 4 because there's so much about, we've dealt with it so many times and we will always deal with it because it is critical. The heart is the soil. The seed is the word of God, right? Okay. And there's, there's, there's all those things I'm not going to go into right now, but in, in verse 24, it says, Jesus says this in Mark 4, uh, 24. And he says to them, said to them, pay attention to what you, you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. I like the way the Amplified says it. Listen to this. And he said to them, be careful what you are hearing. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. And more besides will be given to you who hear. 
For, he, for to him who has, more will be given. And from him who has nothing, even what he has, will be taken away. Isn't that profound? Jesus is saying, you, there is an element of, of, of understanding the principle. And as, and as I said earlier, it's exciting when you know the principle. It's kind of like Corin's father was a, a farmer. And, and I mean, it's just so practical. I think it would, it's why Jesus used the application. The farmer does not expect the harvest instantly. He understands he has to invest in seed. He has to invest in plowing up the ground. He's in putting the nutrients in the ground. He's got to invest in all the pieces to know that there, there's some things that he can put in and there's some things he can't. Um, if you have an irrigation farm, you can decide whether you're going to add water and when, how much water you're going to be. But I know Corin's farm was not, um, was not under irrigation, so they literally had to plant at the right time. So my father-in-law, John, would, would, would literally listen to God, Lord, when should I plant my seed? And he learned to hear God so that their farm prospered. Because other farmers used to pay attention. When's John planting his seed? Because sometimes rain doesn't come in season at the same time every year. It doesn't start on March the 1st. Oh, there it is, on time. So you, when there, there was, what I'm saying is that a farmer is intentional about understanding what it is to get the seed in the soil. John, my father-in-law, he was super intentional about what seed he planted. He didn't just go and take secondhand seed that he, that he pulled out of the field last year from the corn. No, 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 no. He got drought resistant. He got bug resistant. He got whatever seed that he needed. He made sure he had good seed. He made sure that the plowing was right. He, done, he did the plowing and he made sure it was right. Why? Because he knew that the harvest would come. He was putting the principles in place. He's incredibly smart man that's why Corinne is so, is so smart as she is but I mean she is but I mean he was I mean he, this man was, had a brain I was like blown away the guy built silos on his own on his own I mean he, 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 these big old grain silos that he did to dry the, the seed when it was harvested and I was just blown away by the farm but point being when you understand the preciousness of the seed and you say oh my gosh that is precious seed and you treat it like, hold on a second, if I plant this seed, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to get a harvest. I'm going to plant this seed, and I'm going to plant it in my heart, and I'm going to water it, and I'm not going to let any, I'm not going to let the cares of this world, I'm not going to let the deceitfulness of riches, I'm not going to let the desires for other things come into this seed. I'm going to nurture this seed, because guess what's going to happen? It's going to grow. And then I'm going to get a harvest. But you see, we don't, we've, we've ignored this principle and we've said, just throw more seed on me. Give me more seed. We have got so much seed lying everywhere, but we have, got, we have not learned to put the principle on how to listen to a seed. How to plant it in my heart. How to nurture it so that it will grow. How to keep the bugs out. How, how to keep it from being choked. That's what the whole Mark 4 is about. 
understand, then I don't mind. Time is kind of like the anticipation. I kind of like anticipating a holiday more than I almost like my holiday. I enjoy the holiday, but it's kind of more fun to know, hey, guess what's happening in three weeks' time? Guess what's happening in two weeks' time? Guess what's happening? You know what I mean? There's an anticipation because you know that it's coming. It's, it's, it's no different. You're, you're almost enjoying your holiday now because you know it's coming. There, there, that is what faith is. When you're in faith, when you're in faith, you've already got it in your heart. It's this principle. I've planted the seed. I'm in faith. It's coming. I'm excited. It's coming. And, I've, and I know how to. You see, this principle is the way the kingdom works. It doesn't work if you keep throwing seed. All that happens is the seed will be stolen. And you, will, you and I get deceived into thinking, I know that. You don't know it. You don't. You, you don't know it. You've got to farm the seed. And, and so what I want to point to is when we learn the principle of, of meditatively you see, the Holy Spirit's our teacher, right? So when we, when we hook up with the Holy Spirit and, he, and we know, oh, wow, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. He's my teacher. Thank you. that he's, you, oh, Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're living inside of me, that you're my teacher. So when you come to an overflow service, say, for example, that's where, you know, we, we do, we, we, it's literally prayer and meditation. So, so in, nobody has to speak. It's a time where you can actually carve out a bit of quiet time. And you can actually say, okay, Lord, what have you been talking into my, in my heart? What are you saying to me? This is the seed I'm planting in my heart. This is, the, this is how much time, Lord, what a, Holy Spirit. Do you know that when you, when you connect with the Holy Spirit and you give time to meditate, that, that is what meditation is is it's time to think about there, there's I, I, I'm, I'm running out of time here because I'm, I'm illustrating but in first Timothy 4 the, the word that they use for meditate in, the, in that particular area that I, that I wanted to pull out here was literally to revolve in your mind to think about to put something into to, to consider guys I hate to break it to you but it takes time you, you can't extract, I just read that, the thought, the amount of thought and study that you put into it is the amount that you're going to get out of it. If you don't, if you don't allow, this, if you don't give it the time of day, the seed, the time of day, it doesn't grow. It can't grow. But know if you do plant it, if you do decide to treat the word of God as incorruptible seed and you decide to plant it in your heart, one, yes, it's going to take time. Is it, is it a lot of effort? No, it's not. But it does take effort. It, you don't make it grow, it says in Mark 4. God makes it grow. But you know the harvest is coming. And let me tell you, it works like that for every promise. Every promise will work like that. Do you, do you know which promises that you need to lay hold of? Do you know which promises? Do, do you have need in your life for physical healing? You can experience healing. 
You can experience healing. You can, sow, you can learn how this principle works to put the seed of God's word in your heart and it will produce. No questions. It's not up to God. It's up to you. It's, I'm going to say it again. It's not up to God. But that's what we've done religiously. We've pointed to God and we've said, I asked God and he just didn't do it for me. I asked God if I could win the lottery. And, you know, I asked God and, and you know, I asked God. It, the seed of God's word doesn't work like that. We have, sometimes it's not even, sometimes when you're meditating and you give the Lord space in your heart, sometimes it's not even about planting seed. Sometimes it's about removing weeds. Sometimes the Holy Spirit says, you're meditating on something and because you've allowed time, he says to you, wow, that's not what I've always believed. And suddenly you're confronted with two beliefs. One you've held since what traditional background your grandma taught you or your pastor from whatever taught you. And you're like, now you're seeing this in the word of God. And you're like, whoa, I believe this all the time, but now I'm, this is what I'm seeing because this is, this is the Holy Spirit teaching you people. I'm just trying to show you. The Holy Spirit also like challenge and now you're like, oh gosh, so I've actually got to get rid of this. And so you, listen carefully, repent. I change my mind. This thing that I've always believed, I change my mind. That's what repentance is. It's got nothing to do with crying snot here. Okay. It's got everything to do with change. Oh, hold on a second. You know why? Because you've seen, one, the Holy Spirit to be your teacher. Two, you're like, you get, get the kingdom of God and you, I, I did the whole series in the kingdom of God, doesn't work like the world. So you're constantly going to be challenged. But that's not what I believe. There's no such thing as a free lunch. That's not what I believe. Da, 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 da. That's not what I, Okay, so who will you believe? Because guess what? You have a free will. You have a free will that not even God can override. And I know that religious people will hate that because they will say, oh, God can do anything. No, he can't. God cannot override yours or anyone else's free will. And I wish I had a time to go into that. And I know maybe some of you will never come back because you think that I think that God's not in control. But I can tell you that God has given you and I a free will. If he didn't give us free will, there wouldn't be such a thing called love. Love couldn't exist in an environment without free will. It's your choice. Will you believe him? Will you, take, will you do it his way? Will you be a disciple? Will you decide to plant seed or won't you? But guess what? If you don't plant seed, I'll, Andrew Womack uses this illustration. I think it's great because it goes back to my father-in-law. If you choose not to plant seed 
and come six months later and John has been diligent and he's put workers in the field. He's taken out, I mean, he used to take out big loans to do this. And diesel, you should have seen how much diesel he had to buy because he had 20 tractors. Was it 20? Something about, he's a big Don, John Deere guy. He had tractors and he had people and he was buying gallons and thousands of gallons of diesel and he was investing and investing and investing and investing and investing and investing and investing. And guess what? He works and he gets it planted and he gets it in the soil. He does all of these things and guess he waits. He waits for the rain and for the timing and he checks when the right time and he checks how the humidity. And guess what? If the guy next door said, if it was God's will, I would also have a harvest. Because if God wanted me to have a harvest, then I would have a harvest because God is God. You're going to go hungry, Belle. God has given us a principle. He has given us ways and principles that we get to apply. If you don't want to apply them, let me tell you, God doesn't love you any less. He loves you. He doesn't love you any less because that's my foundation, right? Remember? He loves you. Deep-rooted foundation, you're loved. You will never not be loved. But you can't, even the day before, if you say, okay, well, John's harvesting. I need to go and I need to go. I better get seed in the ground. It's not going to happen. You would waste your seed if you planted at the wrong time. You aren't going to be able to harvest. It takes time. Learn the principles of seed, time, and harvest. I read it last week. Hebrews 6 says, it's by faith and patience we inherit the promises. Faith, patience, promises. Seed in the ground, in our hearts. Meditation and prayer is how we plant seed in our life. Listening to the Holy Spirit. Amen. I, I, there is so many things that I, I, I wanted to go into and, and maybe we can touch on it because I don't want to make a big old series about this, but it is, it, it is so important. Psalm 1 is, is, is so important because it talks about how, it talks about this principle. It is beautiful things about Psalm 1. It talks about how we meditate. And, it, and it's a reason, by the way, it's not just a random reason Psalm 1 is the first psalm. And it talks about on his word, on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams. There's so much in Psalm 1 that, that we could go into. Amen. But I just wanted to, I, I want you to hear what the Spirit of God says. Learn the principle. He wants you to step up. He's inviting you to step up into an abundant life. He's in, inviting you to step up into his promises if you will. So Father, we just thank you for what you're saying to us, Lord. And, and Holy Spirit, I thank you for what you're comforting, the comfort that we have in truth, because truth that you send will set us free. And Father, I, I speak liberty from our old mindsets in the name of Jesus, mindsets that have said, anything else religious religious mindsets holy spirit that you're 
challenging, traditional worldly mindsets that you're challenging. Holy Spirit, have your way. And, and, and as you sit there, I, I guess the question you have to ask yourself is, what do you will? What, what do you hear the Spirit of God saying to you? How, how do you choose to respond to that? Jesus loves you. He's forgiven your sin. If you've never received him as Lord and Savior, I tell you, it doesn't matter we, we, even if you are a, 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 a young Christian or an older Christian, the beauty is that Jesus is never far from you. He is, he is always there for you. And, and you just, when you call out from a heart that says, Jesus, help me, I need you. He's there to minister to you. He will save you. He will set your feet on a rock. He will lead you. Listen carefully. He will lead you in paths of righteousness. That means he will show you the way that you need to walk. He will show you the way you need to walk, but it's still your choice to walk it. He will show you. He will lead you in paths of righteousness. He will lead you beside still waters. He will restore your soul as you do that. But the choice is yours, both to choose to follow and to actually follow. And we decide that right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing in our hearts. In Jesus' name, we just, we hear what you're saying. We receive that in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. This morning, if you, if you do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, or if you've not been filled with the Holy Spirit, or you have any other prayer need that you want to, minister, to, to bring to our prayer ministers, please don't go leave here. We're your family. These are awesome prayer ministers. They want to minister to you. They love you. We love you. Join us. Amen. Um, don't forget that... Um, that as we dismiss here that uh, this evening 5, 5 p.m. here is uh, uh, our healing university amen well you are dismissed have a great day guys and if you're coming to overflow we start 6 30 on Wednesday